Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Amen. God is so good. He is so faithful. And he is in this room this morning. Would you just give this worship team a great big, we love you. Come on, they have led us into the very throne room of God. And I don't know the name of that song that Stephen sang, the first song that was sung, but that was so powerful. And in my spirit, there's something that just rose up and there's a roar in my spirit this morning. I'm telling you, God is doing something powerful in his church. And I'm grateful for this team and I'm grateful for the ministry of his spirit in our midst today. He's here right now. If you believe that, say amen. Some of you don't believe it. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter four. Amen. Please remember those needs in prayer this week as you pray. You know, God asked some pretty great questions in his word. And I don't know about you, but when God asks a question, I think it deserves our answer. It deserves our response. I don't think we should, well, we shouldn't take anything from God's word lightly, should we? We shouldn't just pass any, every word, every jot, every tittle has a, has a powerful impact on us if we will just respond. You ever had, you ever been asked a question and, and your response was, well, that's a great question. You ever, ever heard that? Have you ever asked a question and somebody responded to you? That's a great question. Well, I think the greatest questions are the questions God poses. I think the greatest questions are the questions that God says, hey, there's something here. And you can say, well, that was, that was posed to Moses or that was, that was posed to one of the, the heroes of faith. That was, that was posed to someone else. But if he put it in his word, his holy writ, this word is rhema. Come on, it's living. It's alive. And so he poses it. To us, we're going to start a three-week series this morning on great questions from the Bible. And now there are a ton of great questions in God's word. We just picked out three. I picked out three that I believe God is asking us and that he is asking us to respond to as a church, as a corporate body, as individuals, sons and daughters of God. Now, I have a couple of years ago preached this very message to this house, but I'm believing, I'm, I don't believe, I know in my spirit, God told me to start this series off with this. The next two questions I have not preached before, but there's something God is resounding in our spirit. And it's this, what do you have to offer him today? And what are you offering him today? What are you doing with what you have in your life? We could ask a lot of other questions. We could say with Isaiah, God spoke to him and said, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, I'll go. Today, I hope your answer and your response to that question would be, yes, Lord, send me. We could answer the question that Jesus asked, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world, but he loses his own soul? That's a question that's worthy of of an answer. If you're a believer today, then you've answered that question. But sometimes the enemy will rise up and sometimes the enemy will get us sidetracked and and distracted from the things that God has told us or the responses that we've already given him. And he'll get us off track from, from remaining in this place of being humble before him. And sometimes our mind will get on the possessions and the activities of life Instead of our soul and where we are with Jesus. We could answer the question this morning that Jesus asked his disciples right after washing their feet. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? Oh, Jesus loves you this morning. Jesus is the greatest servant who has ever lived. He served those that followed him. He loved them. And he is calling you and I to service and to servanthood as well. We could answer the question from Ezekiel. 
Can these bones live? I say the answer is yes. (laughs) I believe that we can rise up in the power and the anointing and the authority of God and we can accomplish great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. And God is ready to make some bones live. Come on, he's ready to rise up and to do some supernatural things in our midst. We could answer the question that most of us don't like to answer or we don't like to think about. But in Malachi, the question is asked, will a man rob God? Yes, some will. Did you know that every bit of our time, every bit of our talent, every bit of our resources belongs to Jesus? They're on loan to us from him. Everything we have, whether it be a possession, a gift, a talent, an ability, or just our time that everybody has, would you know that it belongs to Jesus? And we must give it back to him. Some of the most defining moments in my life have been when I've answered a question from God. Or when I've answered a question posed to me that came maybe through somebody else, but it was a word from God. Every defining moment of my ministry, every defining moment of my marriage, every defining moment of my life, I can trace back almost, I think, entirely to a question that God gave me or by the Spirit of God dropped into my spirit. One of the questions that we won't preach on specifically, but it's uh, personal to me, is the question that he asked, who are you fasting for? When you fast, and, and, and Jesus says, well, what's the fast for? Who are, you, are you doing this to lose weight? <laughs> are you doing this so that somebody else will see you? Some of the most defining moments in my ministry specifically and in my marriage specifically have been linked to a fast. Right after we were married, we were serving in youth ministry in Tampa. I'm thankful for those 10 years of ministry, almost 10 years of ministry in that, in that church and, and uh, serving as a youth pastor. And it was uh, uh, shortly after being married, we, we had just gotten married for, been married about a year and God called me. I never, I had fasted for like three days, seven days, most at that point in my life. And God called me to a fast. I'm telling, I don't even, I don't have time to break the whole story down. I was sick. I had been in bed for two weeks with strep throat that would not go away. And during that, over and over, and I thought I was delusional, I was running a high fever, and over and over, I kept hearing in my spirit, you need to fast, you need to fast, you need to fast. And uh, you can look at me and tell I don't like to fast much, like just like naturally, like just to just push back the plate. But I, I fast because I believe it's a... I believe it's a word from God. I fast because I believe God tells us to, teaches us to. But I kept hearing that and I was sick. I was running this fever. I had missed work way too much at that point. My wife was worried about me. And God kept saying fast, fast. As soon as I finally recovered, about two weeks into this uh, strep throat, I said to my wife, I looked at her and I said, I'm going on a 40-day fast. And she said, what? And I said, I'm going on a 40-day fast. And she knew that was God because I wasn't going to give up food for 40 days. And God had asked this question, why are you fasting? He called me to it, but then I had to answer, why am I fasting, Pastor Rich? Why are you doing this? Are you doing it so that you can just obey? Are you doing it so you can respond to me? Are you doing it to surrender and sacrifice so that I can speak to you? And I had to come to a place where I answered the question, Greg, why are you fasting? Every defining moment in my life can be traced back to a question, Greg, why are you doing this for me? Fasting for me has been a discipline that has brought me to great breakthrough. It has brought me to great introspection. It has brought me to a place where I needed to change and God was able to change me. And so that's just one question, but I want you to understand the context of why we're asking these questions over these next few weeks. I want you to know that if God asks you a question, whether it be directly from his word or whether it be by his spirit into your spirit, then it deserves a response. You need to hear from God. So today we're going to ask some questions. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to ask the question, do you love me? Then feed my sheep, Jesus says. And then we're going to ask the question, why are you fearful? 
We're going to talk about how God wants us to overcome personal obstacles in our life. But today, we're going to ask the question, what's in your hand? If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll skip down and read verse 17 at the end of that. This is what God writes here in Exodus chapter 4. He gives us this scenario, this story, this account from Moses, and he asked Moses a question that I believe he's asking us today. Verse 1 says, but Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down, or threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. Everybody say, jump back. And then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and he turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Then God says, perform this sign. And they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. And then in verse 17, it says, and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs shown to you here. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for the honor and the privilege of standing behind a sacred desk today and releasing a word that comes from you. I ask you now that you would give each of us in this house, each of us online, each of us gathered together for this time, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, I'm asking you to speak individually to every person who would be within the sound of my voice. I'm asking you to speak corporately to this body. I'm asking you, God, to stir something up in us, Lord, that you've already begun. Your word says you are faithful to complete that which you begin. And so I'm asking you, God, to move us into that place of completion. Lord, we believe we are in the final days of time before you return. And I'm asking you, God, to do something supernatural. I'm asking you to release the anointing of your spirit upon this house, upon our lives, upon your church, Lord, both here at Calvary and around the world, that the body of Christ would arise and do the very will of God and usher in the very in-time revival that you've promised us in your word. We want to be a part of it. We want to be obedient servants, and we want to answer the questions that you're posing to us personally, corporately, by your word and by your spirit in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. You know, it's wonderful to gather in God's house. It's wonderful to be with the body of Christ, family of believers. It's wonderful to be with our brothers and sisters. I don't know if you know the song or if you've heard the song by Corey Asbury called Reckless Love. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good. How many would say God's been so, so good to you? Come on. I mean, sincerely, like, you know God's been good to you. And he goes on to say, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 90 and 9. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. Of God. Now, there's times in our life when words like this are very real to us. There's times in our family, in our marriages, in our ministries, in our church where, where this overwhelms us and we recognize the love of God and we recognize and we give glory to God because He's so good to us. He's so faithful to us. Can I get a witness? Like you've done that. Sometimes in my prayer time, in my personal prayer time, I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I don't want to like lead you on how you should pray, but I spend time in my personal prayer time just meditating, just thinking about God. That's how I spend the first part of my personal private prayer time. And I can't tell you the number of times in my life while I'm just dwelling on him, I'm just thinking about him, trying to close out every thought from around me or my day or my life. And in that moment, there is such a real sense of his goodness that overwhelms me. And I can't put into words how I see it or how I feel it. I just am overwhelmed by his goodness in my life. And it doesn't always come out in loud shouts of praise or anything like that. But there is a sense in 
and a, and a rising up in my spirit of glory and honor that goes to my God because his love and his power in my life is overwhelming. And then there are other times when all we can dwell on are the circumstances, the challenges. I don't know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you are going through some this morning. Some of you are facing some things today and you've got question marks after every thought that you have. It's like, well, what about that? Well, what about this person? What about this scenario? What about this bill? What about this relationship? And you're overwhelmed and you're struggling this morning and we can't hardly dwell on the goodness of God sometimes because we're so overwhelmed, even sometimes about our own past, the hurts that we have or the hurts that we've caused. Sometimes we can't help but wonder about all the promises that have been made but not kept. How many times I started, but the obstacles of life got in my way and I stopped. I promised that I would do this or I would obey God here or I would be a better this or a better that and I'm not there yet. It overwhelms us. So we become frustrated. I, I, I just wonder if just as a show of hands to encourage your neighbor that they're not the only one. Have you ever just become frustrated in life, maybe at yourself or a scenario you're facing? Thank you. How often do we say to ourselves something like this? It's just out of my hands. It's out of my control. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I'm at my wits end. It's over. I want to help us better understand some of the frustrations of life and family. And I want to consider Moses this morning. I want to consider this scenario. You've heard it before. You, you've read the story probably many times in your life from Sunday school all the way up. If you've been in church and you're familiar with it, his life, Moses' life was divided into three 40-year periods of time. The first 40 were spent in this place of the king of Egypt's palace. It was a place of grandeur. It was a place of of immaculate provision and prosperity. Moses was raised in the lap of luxury. Come on, who couldn't get used to that? <laughs> Absolutely. It's the place where most of us would prefer if the truth were told. I mean, you may say, oh no, I don't, I'm happy with, but there's no one in here that would deny the finer things of life if they were just given to you. And in fact, that's how Moses had, re Moses had received it to that point. It had just been given to him. It wasn't his fault that he was put in the bulrushes. It wasn't his, his decision to be taken by the Pharaoh's daughter. It wasn't his decision to be raised in the palace. Everything had been lavished on him and he was taken care of. That was the first 40 years of his life. And the next 40 years then are spent on the backside of the wilderness. Not, it's the opposite of the lap of luxury. It's the opposite of everything being handed to you on a silver platter. It's a place of, of difficulty. It's a place of preparation. Most of us don't like that place. I wonder this morning if there's someone in here that you've been in the backside of a wilderness and, and it overwhelms you sometimes. I want you to know the wilderness is a place of preparation. Here's what I want you to know this morning before we go any further is if you're in that place, it feels dry. It feels overwhelming. You don't know what to do. You thought something else, your life was going to look like something else or your, your, your home was going to be something else or your job was going to take you somewhere else. But here you are. I need you to know something this morning. God has not forgotten about you. In fact, you have been in a place of preparation and wherever God takes us to prepare us. I want you to know there's a future before you, a place of victory and a place of his power that's on its way. The last 40 years were spent leading the children again through the desert. And it was a place of preservation. It's a place where miracles are released. I want you to think about the 40 years leading the children of Israel through the desert. Now, by the way, it wasn't God's plan to lead them through the desert for 40 years. That was man's plan. 
That's because man usurped God's plan, and so they're stuck there for 40 years. But even in that place, even in that desert experience, God was releasing miracles through his servant Moses and through those that followed him. I need you to know today, God is ready to release miracles in your life. He's ready to release miracles on your home and family. He's ready to release miracles in your church. He's ready to release miracles not only to you, but through you. It's a place of miracles, this place of preservation. It's the place that precedes his promise. How many want the very promises of God in your life? Then you got to be willing to not only go through the place of preparation, but you have to continue in this place of preservation. It's not always easy. It's rarely fun. But I want you to know the supernatural power of God is there. I've been here many times in my life. I've been many places and many struggles. I've had lots of things, ups and downs, ins and outs, just like most of you in this room. But I want you to know when you've come through a place where God has prepared you and now you're in this place of preservation, you're just kind of pressing on and pressing through. I need you to know that the supernatural will get you all the way to the promise if you'll just keep trusting in the Lord. Don't give up and don't grow weary in well-doing and don't grow discouraged in the process because at the end of the preservation there is power and eternity in the promise come on somebody say praise the lord i want to look at one of the incidents during moses life in this wilderness experience the 40 years in the backside of the desert and he was a shepherd this is where we read this morning He's out taking care of his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. He's doing what he does. He's been in hiding, if you would. He's been kind of just maintaining. He's just been going through some like life uh, crisis here. And he's just rather hang out here and do nothing. Take care of these sheep, have his family, and do nothing that would get him in trouble. He's already been in trouble. He doesn't want to go there again. And so he just hangs out here. And in this moment, God shows up in a burning bush. God shows up in the most unexpected ways. God shows up and he talks to Moses, who may not have even been really speaking to him much or having much to do with him. I don't know his personal relationship at that moment, but chances are on the backside of the wilderness, he was just kind of going through life ease and and just chilling out and relaxing. And then God shows up. Why? Because God has a purpose and a plan for everybody. Your life is not pointless. Your marriage is not pointless. Your relationships at work are not pointless. God has a purpose and a plan. He designed you. He created you. He put you where you are. And if you will stop to listen, he'll speak to you. And he'll speak to you in the most unconventional ways. So Moses is here. He's wandering. He's taking care of some sheep in this burning bush. A voice comes from it. And it's the voice of God. Tells Moses to take off his shoes. He's standing on holy ground and God speaks to Moses. He speaks a clear word to Moses and Moses then protests. I need you to understand something. Sometimes we protest God. I wonder if anyone's ever protested God. He gives you a word. He gives you a promise. He gives you some direction. And we say, well, it'd be easier to do it this. Here's, here's the worst thing than protesting God. It's saying, I got a better way, God. Hello? Now, Moses didn't do that, but we do that sometimes. We say, oh, I'll obey God, but I'm going to do it this way or that way. God cannot bless your way. He can only bless his way. Hello? Moses says this. He says, I'm unworthy. Why? Because he was a murderer. Now, you can't use a murderer. God can use anyone. He says, I'm ignorant. I don't have the training. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. He says, I lack the eloquence of being able to speak. I, I can't even talk in public. I stutter And then he says this, and this is where we read this morning. He says, no one will believe me. No one. Let me tell you something. There may be people that argue with you. There may be people that push back on you. But if it's a word from God, they don't need to believe you. They will see it from God. God will reveal himself. God will always show himself to be true and faithful. So basically, Moses says, it's out of my hands. I don't have the ability to do this. But the Lord was patient. The Lord was willing to work with Moses and he kept overcoming all of Moses' excuses. He kept coming back to Moses. And I want you to know something this morning. Christians are unfruitful because 
We believe that we're unqualified. Somebody may want to write that down in their notes. We are unfruitful when we think we're unqualified. God never is looking for qualified. He's looking for people who are humbled and willing to say yes. He will qualify you. He will empower you. He will speak life in you. He will speak life through you. In our text here, we see God reassuring Moses with this extraordinary miracle. He says, throw the staff down. It becomes a serpent. We see him use this again and again, this exact scenario as he releases the word of God and then other miracles as well. And he uses his staff over and over. It's a little stick in his hand. It's just what he has. It's what he's willing to, to, to obey God with. What's in your hand? I want to ask you the question this morning. What's in your hand. I, I need you. I believe God wants you to evaluate. In fact, this morning, even as we go through this, I want you to take up. There's a pen in your pew there in front of you. I want you to take a pen and I want you to be ready to write down. I believe God is going to. I see a man who was hiding and thought that he could just live out his days and die. I think there's a lot of Christians like that. This is not a question of our love for God this morning. I think Moses loved God. He had killed somebody because he wanted to save his people for God's sake. He, he was in love with God, but he wasn't obeying God. He was doing his thing instead of God's thing. He was frail and he was in hiding. I also see a man who is willing to be used by God and that's who God is speaking to today. There are some of us in this room, we're afraid. We've been in hiding. We've been doing our own thing. We've been living our own life and we think somehow we can just kind of muddle through until Jesus comes or until we go on to heaven, whatever comes first. I need you to hear from God today and say, and, and as you hear from God, hear him say, there is work to be done and you are the one to do it. I've chosen you and what's in your hand. What are you willing to give me? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to lay at my feet? What are you willing to let me do supernatural things in your life and through your life with what's in your hand? God's willing. God's ready. And he'll use whatever, little or much we give him, but the problem is, is fear and failure rises up. All of your past, all of your challenges. I believe God's house is full this morning. There are people watching online. There's people in this room. And you are full of fear of failure. You're afraid that if you do it, you're going to miss it. You're afraid you're going to miss God. You're afraid that if you do it, somebody's not going to believe you. You're afraid if you say yes, then somebody's going to reject you. You're afraid if you do whatever God is speaking to you. Listen, I'm so thankful and proud of our... Uh of our evangelism group that's meeting uh, on Wednesday nights. They're learning how to share their faith. And I'm just so excited every time I've heard that they've gone out into the community and they've witnessed out in the parks and in the mall and they've just told people about Jesus. They're learning to overcome their fear of failure and just share their faith. That's powerful. We all need to reach out past our fear of failure and just say yes to God. It's okay to admit you're afraid. It's okay to say, I, I, I'm not good at this. I don't know how to do this. Moses is struggling here. He's not struggling with the message. He's struggling with being the messenger. And that's where most of us are. We believe the word of God. We know that what God said is true. We even know we heard him in our spirit. Like say, do this or do that. Go here, go there. Obey me in this way. Use this gift, this talent. But we're unwilling to be the one that he will use. Why? We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of doing things and, and someone not receiving it, someone not responding to it. Or what if it just blows up completely and nobody or everybody laughs at me and nobody believes me? What if that happened? What if it does happen? But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I don't read one account in here where anyone who obeyed God failed. It's never happened in his word. It's never happened through history because when we say yes to God, God does the rest. Moses jumps back. <laughs> He's afraid of the snake. Fear is a real emotion. Fear is a real thing that happens to all of us. Do not allow fear to keep you from God's promise in your life. Don't allow it to happen. Don't allow fear to keep you from 
not just saying yes, but doing the supernatural. Every time God stirs up the gifts of the Spirit in my life, I get anxious. I don't know if anyone else is, I don't, I don't want to point anyone out. I don't know if anyone else operates in like the gifts of the spirit and, and they would probably be able to confirm this, but I, I never, I never have like a word of knowledge for somebody. I never have like a, uh, an interpretation to a message in tongues. I never have the gift of healing to pray for healing on someone that I don't get, I don't become personally very nervous about releasing that gift. It's intimidating that God would firstly use me, but then to think that, well, what if I pray this prayer and it doesn't happen? What if I give this word and it doesn't come to pass? What if I do this thing and I don't see the result that I'm expecting? But I can tell you, friend, hear me today, every time I have obeyed God and stepped out in faith, God has responded faithfully to me and to the situation at hand. He never fails us. I'm telling you right now, church, there are some gifts in you that God is wanting to stir up in you and use you to do some supernatural things in this last hour of time. There are too many Christians that are hiding their spiritual gifts. Well, I didn't know God still did that in the world today. I didn't know that he still gave words of knowledge and prophetic. Yes. In fact, he tells us to desire the gift of prophecy. He tells us to desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Those gifts are in you, friend. This, this anointing was on Moses. God spoke to him. God, he had to step out in faith and use it. Sometimes people get scared of the miraculous and they run away. They jump back like Moses. You see the supernatural and it, it kind of scares you. I've told you the story before of my mentor who, who said that he, he had been teaching on the gifts of the Spirit and, and a, a, a young man in his church in the midst of a service stood up to give a word from the Lord that God was giving him and he stood up and he said, thus saith the Lord and he shouts it out and just like that, the flesh kind of overtook him and he got fearful and he said, never mind, I'm, I'm, I'm in the flesh and he sat back down. That took some, that took some nerve. My mentor, my pastor said, I didn't scold him. I didn't go to him and rebuke him. I went to him and said, next time, you just keep going. That was God. Next time, you let the word of God come out. Some of us, the minute the thing turns, what, the minute the miracle starts to take place, the, the serpent is there, we jump back. <laughs> oh, never mind. No, let God begin to use you. In fact, I just speak that prophetically over this house as your pastor. I believe that God wants to stir up the gifts of the Spirit. And listen, I believe in public gifts, but I want you to know the gifts of the Spirit don't just happen in a public setting. You can prophesy over your spouse. You can prophesy over your children. You can prophesy over your brothers and sisters. You can begin to speak words of knowledge, words of life that come through you to everyone you meet in, on your job, in your community, wherever you go. Speak life. I release the gifts of the Spirit in this house to be stirred, the supernatural to come to pass. Moses sensed when God spoke to him from the burning bush that he could trust God. He sensed the trustworthiness of God. I want you to know something, friend. God can always be trusted. You can always trust God if he releases, and you'll know the difference between a word from God and a lie from hell. You won't question it. It's like the word I gave two weeks ago. I've had many words from God. Every time I know when it's God. Every time I know because I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's elementary to say it this way, but I just know it in my knower. <laughs> I also have had thoughts and, and things that have come to me, and I, I'm thinking like, I think God's speaking to me, and I almost instantly or over a little bit of time, I realize that's not God at all. That's a distraction. That's something that either it's a fiery dart from hell or from the enemy, or else it's just Greg's, you know, too much pizza the night before. And that happens. But the Holy Spirit is so faithful to show me when it's me and to stop me from doing anything. I don't worry too much about missing God. When it's God, I know it's God. When it's God, you'll know it's God. And it's up to you to say yes to God or to say, well, just wait, God, I'll do it later. Maybe someone else can do it. Maybe you could use someone else and not me. I just need you to know today, God wants to use you. He doesn't, you look at your neighbor, look at you, just look at a neighbor next to you. Now look at the neighbor on the other side of you. Look, God wants to use them too. But 
God wants to use you. Now look at yourself. Look at your hand. This is, this, tell your flesh that God wants, say God wants to use you. God wants to use you. He's speaking to you this morning and he's calling you into a place of action just like Moses here. And you can trust him. You can trust the Lord. If you believe that, would you say amen? amen. You can trust the Lord. I don't know if you recall the word. I'm not going to read the whole word, but I want to give you some highlights. I wrote this word down two weeks ago. God gave it to me late, late on Saturday night. I released it and it would be, and, and he showed me even in, in just preparing and praying over this message today, he showed me that it's not a word that we're supposed to just kind of hear once and just forget about. We need to recall it. We need to remember it. It's a word from God. And he says, discipline yourself to obey my word and my will for your life. And these, in these last moments of time, as you understand time, we don't understand God's time. His, his plans, his purposes are greater than ours. As you understand it, discipline yourself within the time that you do understand for what I'm about to do. He said it, and it's the truth. I'm about to do a new thing, and I'm ready to do it through you, my children, my bride, my body, my beloved. And then he says this, prepare yourself for the things I have for you to do. How do you prepare yourself in this place of preparation that Moses was in? It was waiting on the Lord. It was hearing God, and it was obeying God. I believe God has put us in a place of preparation, and I believe he's preparing us for this. He says this, he says, I am releasing the glory of my presence and the miraculous power of my spirit on my church and through my church for my glory and fulfillment of my purpose. Prepare yourself to wait on me, to linger at length in my glorious presence, to be filled with my power and my oil of anointing. My oil of anointing must not be wasted or squandered. I am looking for a vessel that is prepared through prayer, purified in holiness, and poured out in sacrificial surrender to me in that vessel I will pour in my oil of anointing and my wine of refreshing for the new thing that I'm calling you to God is calling this Calvary Assembly of God to a new thing he's calling us individually he's calling us corporately and God delights in operating in the miraculous and in the supernatural in your life if you will let him it doesn't have to be foo-foo and weird and wild. It doesn't have to draw attention to you. In fact, it must never draw attention to you. I'm telling you, Moses was never about getting attention. He was afraid of attention. In fact, most of everything he did, the people around him were not giving, it was bad attention, like they didn't like it, but they saw that it was God. Don't worry about getting on a pedestal and being lifted up and prideful. That won't happen when you obey God. I need you to know what will happen is God will keep us humble. He will keep us in a place of, uh, of his word and his will, and he will use us for his glory and not our own. God did all kinds of miracles through Moses. Turn the water to blood. Remember that? The Nile River. Plague of frogs. Dust turned into gnats. It brings down fire and thunder and hail. Plague of locusts. You name it. He did it. And God's ready to do it in your life today. But this is what it requires. Everybody say obedience. And everybody say faith. You have to obey and walk by faith. Obey. How many want the supernatural power of God in your life? Like that's what you want in your life. I, I mean, that's probably 95% of the hands went up. If you want it, then you've got to obey God. You, you can hear this word this morning. You can say, well, that's a good word. I believe that's a word from God. Or I've heard that kind of message before or this or that. You can make all kinds of excuses, but you have to obey. You have a choice to make when this sermon is over today. And when this altar call is given in just a few minutes, or, or when you walk out of this building, you have a choice to make. Will I obey the word of God? Am I willing to say what God tells me to say? Am I willing to do what God tells me to do? Am I willing to step out in faith and obedience? It's not Greg's word, it's God's word. It doesn't really affect me, ultimately, it affects you. This house, this ministry, God is blessing. The, the, the anointing of God is upon us, and he is bringing increase into his kingdom through us. But we want the supernatural active in this fellowship. And it's going to require 
a sacrifice and a surrender on your part. The staff of Moses, it's in his hand. And all God says is give it to me, use it for my glory. It was a tool. Your gifts are tools. Your abilities are tools. Your possessions are tools. And let me just say it. You might, hopefully you don't mind if I just preach a minute. If you have, to, if you have resources, whether it be a, an ability or a possession, and you're hoarding that thing, God help you. I, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to scold this morning. And I've, had to, I've been convicted many times in my own life. But anything I have must belong to God. I have to give it back to him. Oh, we like to hoard things. Our, our human nature likes to hoard things. If we've ever been without something and we get something, what do we do? We put it away for safekeeping. God's saying, give it to me. Use it for my glory. Allow me to take the, 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 the natural and do something supernatural. There's some teachers in this room that need to be teaching a class of God, on God's word. You like to be releasing the word of God. You have insight, you have understanding, and you need to do it. There's some people in this room that have gifts of helps and service, and you need to be serving and helping and working, and you need to be coming and getting here early and giving of yourself so that the body of Christ can be blessed. Listen, you may say, well, that's self-serving, Pastor. You're just really trying to guilt us. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into anything. I need you to understand something. God's word is truth. And you have gifts, you have talents, and he wants to use you. He is doing something in his church. This word from two weeks ago is, is, is his living word to us, and he's ready to do something in his church today, and it's going to cost us something and require something from us. It takes faith and obedience. He's ready to do whatever he can with whatever you'll offer. Miriam, Moses' sister, had a tambourine and a song. She started, I'm not a big tambourine fan. Please don't break one out. It was good in the wilderness. <laughs> it was like, that's the place for a tambourine. <laughs> but she breaks out her tambourine. And more importantly, she breaks out her voice. And she starts singing a song. And the Bible says... That the whole tribe of Israel sets into singing the songs of deliverance with Miriam. There's someone in this room today, God's put a song in your heart, and he's ready to just start proclaiming a word of deliverance through you. And when you, you're afraid to share it, you're afraid to say it, you're afraid to do whatever God, but when the, you do it, I can imagine Miriam probably was timid too. Maybe she wasn't a singer, maybe she wasn't a, a, a percussionist of any kind, but all of a sudden she just breaks out in whatever God had put in her, and the Bible says they all joined in, and deliverance was, praise was their deliverance. There's something in you that God's ready to break out and use to bring deliverance. So what's in your hand? David, he had a sling. And there was a giant. You know the story. I don't know about you, but I'd be intimidated by a giant if all I had was a sling. Now, if I had my nine millimeter, I could handle that probably. Especially if I knew he didn't have one. <laughs> But all he had was a sling. He didn't have a sword. He couldn't even bear to wear the king's armor to protect himself. It was too much for him. He had never worn it before. He was, wasn't his size. But he had faith. And he obeyed God. You know the story. He kills the giant. He brings the children of Israel into deliverance. I'm telling you, there's a word of deliverance in some of you this morning. There's a gift of deliverance in some. There's some people around you that are bound up. There's some people in sin. There's some people in sickness. There's some people in all kinds of trouble. And there's a word of deliverance in your life that God is ready to release. But you've got to have the faith and obedience to do it. So what's in your hand? The widow, you know the story. The widow had only enough food for one more meal. And then she was going to die, her and her two sons. But she offers it to the prophet Elijah, and God multiplies it. What's in your hand? The little boy, he had a sack lunch. I started to bring a sack lunch with me in here today. He just had a sack lunch. 
Uh, we like to look at it and count the fish and the bread, but I just like to put it in common. It was a brown paper bag lunch. I know they didn't have paper bags, but that's what he had. He had just the common thing that any one of you may have in your life right now. It was not about the kind of fish it was or the quantity of fish there was. It wasn't about the kind of bread that his mom had sent with him that day. It wasn't about the, the details of all of that. It was simply just what he had. He had anything that anyone else would have naturally had. He has exactly what you would have today. What's in your hand? He offers it to God. He's like, it's all I got, but here it's yours if you want it. And you know, sometimes we like to make our offerings so super spiritual. <laughs> You'll forgive me. I'm going to wrap this thing up in a minute. But here's, here's just what I see in my spirit. We like to take it. We, firstly, sometimes we like to be seen. Hello? We take the thing that God's given us, and we're ready to use it for God. And so what do we do? We get a big banner, and we just wave it in front of everybody. Look what I'm about to do for God. Hello? Everybody should come to my class. It's the best class. Everybody should come to my group. Everybody should come to my house. Everybody should eat my whatever I made. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. Last night, it was amazing. We had a, we had a senior adult, uh, like Italian meal and, and gospel sing back in the back. And I just, I came to a revelation. I'm getting way off track here, but I came to the revelation. It is not my fault that I'm fat. <laughs> now, you can laugh. And I'm not just trying to, like, this is not just self-deprivation. But I promise you, everybody in that room last night said, Pastor, you've got to try my whatever. People were bringing it and laying it in front of me. It's true. If y'all were there, you know it's true. And I just said, I give up. I give up. I'm just going to eat whatever the Lord provides. And last night, he provided some pasta and some meat sauce. And he provided, hallelujah, some Italian cream cake. And he provided a cappuccino cheesecake. And either one of those things right there will send you into sugar shock. I'm just telling you, God, Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> now, back to the message. <laughs> I just need you to understand something. Whatever's in your hand should not be presented to God so that you could be seen by man. Are you with me this morning? And sometimes it's not that. Sometimes we want to go through this super spiritual, like, sanctimonious kind of ritual. Oh God, I want to bring to you and I, know, I think you're speaking to me and would you please show me and show my pastor and 10 other people with the confirmation that I'm supposed to do this for you. Moses had no 10 other people to bring him a confirmation. Nobody else said, oh Moses, God's been speaking to you and if you're waiting on a bunch of other kind of confirming things, what you need to do is just say yes to God. There will be confirmation along the way. God will always confirm his word, but you don't need the confirmation before you say yes. Hello? I know I'm preaching to the church predominantly this morning, to believers predominantly, but there are people within the sound of my voice, you're sitting here this morning, and you have been sitting and doing the ritual, the normal, the usual, for far too long. And God is ready to send revival on the earth today, and he's looking for some Moseses, he's looking for some Miriams, he's looking for some Davids, he's looking for men and women of God who will say, yes, Lord, take what's in my hand and use it for your glory and not my own. Yes, Lord. What's in your hand? There's three things, and I'm closing with this. There's three things you have to do with whatever's in your hand this morning. You have to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. You got to let go of it. If you're hoarding it, if you're clutching it, God can't use it. God wants to do the supernatural. You've got to release it to him. But hear me. He's not going to force you to let it go. Come on now. Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to come yank it out of your hand. You've got to lay it at his feet. The supernatural will happen when you say yes to God and you release whatever gifts, whatever abilities, whatever possessions you have. Let it go. Secondly, you need to quit trying to use what you don't have. Can I get a witness in this room? Look, 
I, want, I, I know we did this earlier, but look, look at your neighbor. Just glance at one of your neighbors. Just glance at them. Just glance. They have their own gift. <laughs> Quit trying to use their gift. Quit trying to use somebody else's. What we, we, see, we see people up here singing or playing or we see people teaching something or we see somebody else doing something and we say something like, oh, I think that's what I'm called to do. And maybe you are. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not calling you into anything in particular. What I'm trying to say to you is we too often try to compare ourselves to someone else and God doesn't want you to use their gift or their possession or their ability. He wants you to use yours. And he has a unique and special place for you in his kingdom and in his work to use you. You just have to release it to God. Quit trying to use what you don't have. God will always use what you have. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be a slingshot. God will use it. And lastly, you have to give God complete control of it. You have to give it all to God. You have to just say, yes, here it is. I'll give it to you, but I want to retain control. It doesn't work that way. God needs it all. You know, God called me, my wife, he called me into ministry when I was young. In fact, I was talking to a young man this week who was expressing to me the call of God on his life for ministry. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God still calls people into ministry. And I was, I was expressing to, to this person that my own scenario, my own experience when I was called into ministry, there was, there's a lot of ways to get to wherever God's calling you. But the first step to any of those paths is surrender and submission to God. I had other things I liked to do. I had things I wanted to do. I had dreams. Just like every young person. I had ways that I wanted to get to where I was going. But I early in my life, early on... I knew God had called me into ministry. This person said to me, Pastor, I knew God called me when I was a young boy. I knew God called me into ministry. And I was able to confirm, like, that happened to me too. I knew it. In fact, I used to tell people, even when, so my dad was not a preacher when I was real little. He was not a pastor. He was a fireman. Everybody wants to be what their dad is, right? Like everybody, it's like whatever their dad does. If he's a lumberjack, I'm going to be a lumberjack. If he's a salesman, I'm going to be a salesman. But my dad was a fireman. And so I would tell people when, you know, when you're, what do you want to do when you grow up, Greg? I want to be a fireman and a preacher. That's what I would say. I was going to be a preaching fireman. Well, ultimately, that's what my dad was. He became a minister while he worked on the fire later on. And so he did that and ultimately became a pastor. But I always knew it was when I became a little older and I began to process and understand and I had some dreams and I saw other young people that were going to go to school for this and going to be that and, and they were pursuing this and just like everybody, I wanted to, I wanted to make it big somewhere. Who doesn't want to, you know, become president one day or lead a Fortune 500 company? Those are great goals. But I had this call on my life. God wasn't asking Greg for something I didn't have. He was just asking me to give him what I did. What I did have. And that was just a surrendered heart. I felt unqualified to preach. I felt un, un, incapable of operating in gifts of the Spirit. But from, as a teenager, as a preteen, as an early teenager, God began to stir up the gifts of the Spirit in my life. I remember the first time at a youth conference in Germany or a conference in Germany it was a bunch of young people there and I remember so clearly the Holy Spirit speaking to me and telling me to speak a word over several of the young people that were sitting there near me I barely knew them I'd only met them just a few days before and talked to them a couple of times and I was young I was probably 13 years old and I felt I knew God had called me into ministry and God, the Holy Spirit, just said, just said, speak this word over them. And it took all kinds of courage and boldness. And I didn't, ha I didn't know if I could do it. But I turned around and I was, I was, I don't know if I was crying because of the glory of God or if I was scared to death. <laughs> but I was crying. I remember tears just streaming. Out of my and I turned around and I said, I believe God would say, and I began to release this word. And as I released that word, every one of them, there was about four of them there, I think, every one of them began to cry and receive the word directly. And afterwards, they all 
told me something different God said to them. That was just like the first time. That's why it's so rememberable to me. But I want you to catch this. God wants to use you, not just Greg. And your gifts might be different, but you have to give them to God. You have to be willing to step out and say yes. Make sure you're prayed up. Make sure you're living a life that is pure and holy and, and you're dead to the flesh. But, but let God begin to stir things up in you to deal with your life. There are gifts. I, I'm speaking this prophetically over this house today. There are gifts in your life that God wants to use, but they're lying dormant there right now. There are anointings and, and supernatural things he wants to do through you. And out of fear or just out of, out of lack of understanding, you've never released them to God. You've never laid them at his feet. You've never said, here, God, use me. And he's calling you to be used today. Some of you have been used, but there's more. There's more. Moses' miracles didn't stop with the burning bush. Throughout the rest of his life, the supernatural occurs and reoccurs over and over and over. Can I speak to some young people in this house? And I'm not talking just about teenagers. I'm talking about like, like 40 and below. And I, I say that because there's too many 40-year-olds and below that this world has stolen your passion for the things of God. The enemy has lied to you and your minds and your hearts have been consumed. And I'm not judging anyone. This is not a moment of judgment. This is a moment of God's glory. But your, your mind has been consumed with the world. It has, it has just engulfed you. Hollywood and, and advertisements and, and technology has consumed you. Of no, no fault of your own, but our culture, our world... I just need a witness in this room right now. And it's not that you didn't want to serve God. It's not that you didn't want to obey Jesus. It's not that you had any, any intention of missing the call of God on your life. But there's just so much distraction. It's everywhere. And God is calling you today. If you're in this room, if you're watching online, God is speaking to some young people. He's speaking to everybody. It's not limited to young people, but I need young people to hear me today. It's time to quit believing the lie of the world that somehow success equals whatever social media says it equals. And know that God tells you that his yes and amen are for you and it's time to step out in your promise and in his power and possess the promise of God let the power of God be stirred up in you God's not finished I'm telling you revival is going to be released in the land not because of somehow we just somehow we just uh, wished it into place or wished it into being it's going to be released in the land because we stepped out in the supernatural power of God it's going to be released, not in, listen, it's going to be released. I don't even believe, you can, I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't want to, I'm not putting God in a box here. But it is not going to be most likely, we will see the effects of it in the sanctuary, but it's not going to be released in the sanctuary. Thank you. It's going to be released in the marketplace. It's going to be released in the schools. It's going to be released on campuses across this nation, in this city. Can I say that prophetically under the unction of the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, it's going to be released in this community on the campuses of our middle schools, elementary schools, high schools, and colleges. And it's not going to be released because Pastor Greg showed up on campus one day to have lunch with somebody or Pastor Trevor showed up. That it's not going to be released because of that. It's going to be released because some young people get a word from God. And some young people say, yes, God, here, I'll do it. Here's my sling. Here's my staff. Here's my whatever I got. Here it is, Lord. I'm going to just use it for you. The young man that came and talked to me this week, he had no clue about this message. But I'm telling you, it was confirmation in my spirit instantly. I said, God, I've already preached this word. I don't want to preach it again. I don't like to repeat myself much if I can help it. And he said, Greg, this is the question I'm asking my church. This is the question I'm asking my people. What is in your hand? What are you willing to surrender to me? What can I use today for my glory to usher in my presence and my power in the world today? What is in your hand? I'm telling you, revival is going to come because some men and women of faith say, I'm going to quit caving in to my own flesh and my own thoughts that I'm incapable or unworthy. I'm going to quit caving in to my own thinking that, that I can't talk publicly or I can't do something for God and I'm going to just say yes God 
I'm just going to say yes. Can I say one more thing? There's some people in here, you love Jesus. You're on fire for God. You're not ashamed of God. You're bold. This is all at the end of my message. I don't even have time to get there. But I got to hit this point. You'd be willing to give God every penny in your pocket. You'd be willing to give God every gift or talent you possess. But you just don't have time. Now that's an oxymoron. Time's one of the most valuable possessions we have. And you can tell me all day long, well, I'll give God money. I just don't have much time. I'm busy. The only way I have money to give God is if I just keep working. If I just keep doing this thing. I'm not here to call call you out. The Holy Spirit can do that if he needs to. But God has shown me in my own life that time is more precious than my money. He owns it all anyways. But what I have to relinquish to him is my time. And if your hobbies, I know it's quiet in this room today. I had no anticipation of anything but quiet. (laughs) But if your hobbies, if your career, or even if your family, I'm a family man. My family means everything to me. I'd rather spend time with my family than drink water on a dry day. I love my family. But if they take me away, if anything takes me away, I'll bring my family along. I'll bring my job along. I'll bring my hobbies along. But if anything takes me away from obeying God, watch out, Greg. There's unbalance and there's things I could talk about. That's not my point. But there's some people in this room today You've given God a lot, but you're hoarding your time. And it's time to release it to God. That's a word from the Lord this morning for this house. The word he gave us two weeks ago that we all rejoiced in, we all responded to, we all came and laid ourselves at the altar. That word wasn't just for 24 hours. It wasn't like a, 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 a once over and it's, it's all done. That word is a word of life for this house. That word was given prophetically for this house. And I'm not going to just lay it aside. I'll keep revisiting it as often as he leads me to do it because he's calling you and I to release whatever's in our hand. He's ready to do the supernatural. He's ready to do the supernatural.